Welcome back to Aliyah Yomi. Today we're going to be learning Vayigash Shvi, the seventh Aliyah in Pashas Vayigash. Our Aliyah talks about Yosef's tax policy, and it is an Aliyah of 17 Psukim, running from Perak Mim Zion, Pasuki Yudalav to Chav Zion. Let's take a look at a, a brief overview and then delve into some points to ponder. So now we hear that Yosef has settled his brothers in the land of Goshen, the best of the land. It's near Ramses, Ramses. And um, as Pharaoh had had um, had indicated. Now, what happens is in the meantime, Yosef is now sustaining his family and father, children, grandchildren, the whole, the whole, the whole family. But there is no bread. The famine now wears on, and uh, at this point in time, um, all of Egypt, all of Canaan, are really in a, in a terrible state because of this. So Yosef now takes the money and collects the money that everybody is paying in order to get food. And uh, he puts that into the coffers of the pharaoh. But then money ran out. There was no money left to pay for the food. So they all came to him and says, we need money. We need food or we're going to die. Our face Kesef, there's no, there's no money left. So Yosef says, we'll bring your livestock. You don't have to give money. Give the actual items themselves. We'll barter for food. And that's what they do. They they represent to uh, to to Yosef the the susim, they, uh, the 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 tzon, the bakar, the chamorim. They all they all exchange their livestock for food. But then <laughs> those also they um, ended at the end of the second year. There was nothing left then um, to to trade. And they say all we have is our bodies and our land, which is not owned by the state. Why should we die? So he does an interesting thing here. And he says, um, Yosef acquired the entire land, meaning to say the state now um, requisitioned the entire land of Egypt um, because they already sold the land to the Pharaoh and uh, that because of the severity of it. But the, 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 what he did was, is he read, reorganized the people. He put them into different um, cities because they owned the land. So they could tell people where they could be directed to. And the uh, only land that he did not acquire was the priests. He made a law that the priests will eat what they need from the state and they're not going to have to sell their land. And, um, and then he says, he says, look, here I, now that I own everything, so I'm going to put you to work. So he gives them seeds and he starts getting them to work on the land itself. And the way it's going to work is, is that you are going to give one-fifth, 20% to the pharaoh, to the state, and four-fifths, which is 80%, um, you will be able to eat and use for the future planting for yourselves and for your families. And um, they are incredibly gracious and thankful to to Yosef, and this becomes the law of the of uh, of Egypt that um, the fifth goes to the pharaoh. That's the the, the tax, and the priests, the Kohanim themselves, are not they are not involved in this tax as well. This there's um, there's this this waiving of the tax for them, and we hear at the end of the parasha by Yeshua Yisrael Beretz Goshen. The, the, the Hebrews are living in Goshen and they are very successful, they are established and they have many children. So a lot of things, most people do not focus on this part of Parashas Most people near her about the drama, the story, the interactions, but most people forget the last Aliyah, what's going on, all these incredible policies. What's, what do we make of this? What are we supposed to learn from this? So the um, Emes Liak or Reyakov Kamenetsky has a very famous idea over here which he, he develops and he says that you see that Yosef is uh, has an incredible insight. He is an unbelievable visionary. He sets into into motion some very very important ideas which are going to shape the Jewish history as a whole. Because the first thing he does is is he takes away land ownership. He moves people around and he taxes everybody except for the priests. Those three things 
are going to be incredibly important for the for the the survival of his people, the Hebrews, in adversity. Because the first thing he does is he makes sure, he ensures that everybody is not a citizen. By moving everybody around, essentially not the Hebrews aren't the new ones on the block. Everybody is the new one on the block. Nobody has their own territorial claims and therefore they are less adjusted, meaning to say the Egyptians are less adjusted to their own land as much as the Hebrews are themselves. So there's less of a Hebrew wanting to become part of Egyptian society as well. So that's one aspect of it as well. But it goes further than that as well. You'll see you'll see what, what he's doing is is that is by by waiving the tax on the on the, the priest, what he's going to do is going to sit in, set into motion a process by which the Levium, who are the priests of the of the Jews, are going to be exempt from the hard work, thereby ensuring that there's going to be one kernel, one core, and we'll call it circle. Um, or sphere in Jewish society, which is going to preserve circumcision, is going to preserve the traditions and the ideas of the meditations on God, even when the rest of the, 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 of, of the Hebrew society will perhaps be falling apart. That was because it was written into the books of law as already set by Yosef and um, Pharaoh earlier on. Where did he get this from? So this comes back to the notion that Rav Yaakov Kavanetsky develops, which is that Yosef was given the special Torah of his father of the Torah's Shem Ve'ever, which he understands as Torah Sagonis, the, the, the teachings that uh, express themselves in a very complex reality, like Shem and Ever express themselves in complicated realities. And, um, and it is how to govern and how to act in a very complex environment. And that's what was being achieved over here as well. Very, very powerful perspective that's being expressed. This is the Torah's Sheva Ever in action. Now, what can we learn from these policies? So Robert Soloveitchik points out just a few important points. Number one is, is that Yosef treated Egyptians and foreigners as the same. You notice that there's no differentiation over here between when the people come to him without, no, without money, between the Egyptians and, and, and the others, which means to say that Yosef is introducing a sense of universalism, the equal rights of a human being. Yosef also allows individuals to still own 80% of their assets, essentially, and pay 20% to the state. That means, say, that although the state did own the territory, they were, the people had the pride in being part of the enterprise of their own ventures and their own success, which is this balance, which is a hard balance in today in political systems to find between the state control and regulations and free market, which is what Yosef is essentially doing. This is, this is moving away from the, what other states would do in such a situation, which is absolute power and therefore price gouging and requisition. Yosef is much more um, cognizant of the, reality, of the reality that people need to have their own share in it as well. Rasulovetschik points out that, that he is introducing uh, the ideas of justice and charity in a world which perhaps has not ever encountered such values beforehand. Interesting thing that Rav Hirsch also points out over here is that there are academics who argue that really Moshe Rabbeinu, when he gave us the four, the five books of Moses, he it was really from himself. It wasn't from Hashem. He he just took the the previous cultures that he had and he sort of amalgamated them into some sort of you know book of law. And you know Rav Hirsch points out how preposterous this is in numerous cases. And one place that you can see is from here is because when it comes to the Torah law, the Torah law is unlike Egyptian law in the opposite direction. Because the Egyptian law would say that only the priests are the ones who are able to own land, whereas the rest have to even sacrifice their own land if the state so demands because of the money. Whereas 
when it came to the Egypt, when it came to Torah law, it's in fact the priests, the Kohanim, who are not allowed, not entitled to land, completely the opposite. So just as a clear idea that the, 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 the Torah's Moshe is not Moshe's experience in a foreign culture, God forbid. It is a divine idea expressing itself in this world. Uh, which is to be understood differently. And finally, the last thing which is worthwhile noting is that Rav Hirsch points out that the last pasuk in our Aliyah and Parasha is really a, the beginning of the sin, the beginning of the descent, because it describes that the nation of Israel um, were, were now becoming established in this country. And yes, it's wonderful to hear about Jews being successful. Yes, it's wonderful to have success. But in the end of the day, success often breeds a certain degree of inertia, a certain degree of um, indifference to the values, traditions, and origins. And unfortunately, that's what we're going to be seeing, um, a, a system which has repeated itself in every single country the Jews have been washed ashore on. And that's part of the danger of success, which is what we're witnessing right now. Um, with this, we conclude the seventh aliyah and Parshas Vayegash in the one time of a wonderful, mean, a meaningful day and a beautiful Shabbos.